Good morning. What a beautiful song. Inspirational. And we need inspiration. Amen? My subject this morning is simply titled Heaven. Heaven for the believer just carries awesome thoughts, encouraging thoughts, uplifting thoughts, hopeful thoughts. But to the world, it's, it's vague at best. And left in the hands of Hollywood, next thing you know, the people who make it to heaven sprouted wings, have halos, and have all kinds of reasons why they got to heaven. But the Word of God shows us that it's very clever, clear Excuse me, who gets to heaven and who does not. My text this morning is a rather lengthy one, but you can follow me if you wish. It's in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1. Revelation, last book in the Bible, chapter 21. And we'll start reading verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. A natural question to ask is, what is heaven? Well, when you look into the Bible, 
It's a very simple explanation. It is the dwelling place of God, sometimes referred to as the third heaven. Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He likens it to a paradise, which is just a, a wonderful place. But he could not share any more. The Lord told him, share nothing of what you've seen. Because it is so beautiful, it is so wonderful, that people might want to take their own life to get there quickly. How long will heaven last? Being the dwelling place of our God. It is without beginning, and it is without end. There, the struggle starts for the intellectual. But not so for his children who believe in what the word of God says. Who will be in heaven? Who will actually be in heaven? Those who acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ and accept his finished work of redemption at Calvary and take him as their Lord and Savior. These will be those who will be in heaven. The way we get to heaven is found in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Who won't be in heaven? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 tell us, Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Everything that is good as we know it in this world, truly good, is from God, has been created by God. Jesus simply says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It is a simple message. It's a simple acceptance of a gift from God to become a child of God. To then be guaranteed access to heaven one day. But only as God sees it, as God has written it, and as God has given it down from his prophets, from Christians, from churches, from evangelists. And yet there's so much opposition to such a wonderful and simple message. So many say, you know, I just, can't, I just can't buy into that. I just don't get that faith thing. 
My own words used to say, when I was a young man, it's a crutch for cripples. Now, if anyone didn't, des didn't deserve access to our Heavenly Father's kingdom, it would be me with words like that. But that's where grace comes in. That's where mercy comes in. That's where love comes in and intervenes in my own stupidity at a young age and everyone else. There's so many who just oppose it. They don't want to accept it as God gives it. And so they make up their own. They make up a different way, or they reject it altogether. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Very clear. So they can do all they want to do, and it won't help them out one bit. How can we get to heaven? Just as we said. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Again, we say it. No one. Clear? We can say crystal clear, but there's still opposition. And in one of the most well-known verses out of the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Clear. Yet so many don't want to have anything to do with it. What awaits us in heaven? For the believer. First, Let's look at what won't be in heaven when we get there, when true believers get there. We won't have spiritual warfare any longer. No more spiritual warfare. There won't be the presence of evil in heaven. We won't be weary, exhausted, suffering, or have pain. We won't experience disease, hunger, or famine. There will be no blindness, deafness, paralysis, or those who have missing arms, missing legs, will once again, when they get to heaven, be complete. How about that? Think about that. We won't experience sadness, sorrow, and despair, hopelessness, depression, or mental or emotional disease will not exist in heaven. We won't worry, have anxiety, unrest, or fear, or the fear of failure. We will have none of this in heaven. We won't have anger or uncontrollable rage. We will be void of these things, those who will be in heaven. We won't be hurtful, 
impatient, jealous, or envious. There won't be any liars or thieves in heaven. We won't have any pride. We won't be arrogant or condescending. We won't be immoral, impure, or have lustful thoughts or actions in heaven. That's what we won't have in heaven. Before we go on to what we will have in heaven, let's look at some of the people that, or things that won't be in heaven. The devil will not be in heaven. During the millennial reign, he'll be, he'll be bound. He'll be released at the end of the millennial reign. He'll have one last shot at it. And then he will be condemned for all time into the lake of fire. His demons, the fallen angels who chose to follow Lucifer, Satan, instead of staying with God, won't be there either. Cain, the first son recorded in the Bible, who rebelled against God and committed murder against his brother Abel, won't be in heaven. The soldiers who drowned in the flood, all of Pharaoh's soldiers, won't be in heaven. Nimrod won't be in heaven. A man who was very evil. Ishmael won't be in heaven. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah won't be in heaven. Esau missed his chance to be in heaven. All the pharaohs of Egypt, all the leaders in all the countries over the centuries that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, no matter what kind of miraculous acts they did, how much plunder, or how much they captured, will not be in heaven. King Saul will not be in heaven. Absalom will not be in heaven. Ahab, King Ahab, and Jezebel, and the rest of the wicked kings won't be in heaven. Herod, the evil, wicked man, won't be in heaven. Pilate, who made the worst decision possibly in the history of the world, won't be in heaven. Caiaphas, the great religious leader at the time Jesus was tried, won't be in heaven. Hitler and all the, his kind that have existed over the centuries won't be in heaven. Evil and wicked murderers like Charles Manson won't be in heaven. All the unbelieving, unbelieving intellectuals of all time who campaign that there is no God, they won't be in heaven. Muhammad and all his followers 
will not be in heaven. In their book, they reduce Jesus to a prophet, and he wasn't a virgin birth. You do the math. All Hindus, all Buddhists, all false religions, all cults will not be in heaven. All religious people, for the sake of being religious, maybe went to church all the time, maybe they paid their tithes faithfully, maybe they even helped those who volunteered to be uh, help the needy, all those apart from Christ will not be in heaven. All religions that aspire to heaven by works with our own hands will not be in heaven. All those who have made false professions in Christ will not be in heaven. Doesn't matter how confident they are in the action they took. Doesn't matter how much they boast in their, quote, life of Christianity. If they weren't truly sincere, if their confession was mixed with pride and other motives, they won't be there, no, much, no matter how much they talk about it. And again, we go back to the scripture that so typifies so many. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, what will we have in heaven? This is the good part. This is the part that will encourage us this morning. This is the part that will give us a second wind at our walk with Jesus. We pray that this, this morning, as we see what awaits us, can motivate us to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ and a more consistent and faithful walk in him. What will we have in heaven? We will have the presence, the literal presence of our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And their glory will illumine heaven. We will no longer be required to uh, look to the sun and the moon for light. No, God's glory will illumine everything. We will be able to have pure worship without distraction. You want a little taste of that? Read Revelation chapters 4 and 5. Wow, it's going to be something. We will be able to sit and listen to the words of our Savior. And we'll never grow tired of hearing what he has to say. We'll never struggle with anything in heaven. Nothing. 
There is no struggles. There is no fights. Because there is no flesh. There is no old nature. For we have been changed when we get to heaven. There is no evil. There's no presence of it. There's nothing. Here, we're in a war, aren't we? Here, we're told to resist the devil and he will flee from us. Here we have afflictions. Here we have trials. Here we're hit with temptations. There's none of that in heaven. Here we have, though, opportunities, don't we? Opportunities to come to church. Why do we come to church? Do we come because we have to? Do we come because we look good? Do we want to keep up uh, appearances? Do we want to try and hold the family intact so that's why we, we come? We really don't want people to know what really goes on in our houses. Or do we come, as a preacher once said, I come because I want to be with Jesus. For he says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. And Jesus' presence is with us today. As we worshiped him this morning, as we're here now. Every meeting that takes place here, Jesus is here before us. He is here waiting for us. How much do we look forward to that? How much do we respect him in coming to church on time? How important is that really, to be here on time, to be here before time? God forbid we think of an excuse where we don't have to come. Well, I have a little ache. I think I'm coming down with a cold. I better stay home. That tells you the temperature of a Christian or a professing Christian. If they really don't enjoy coming to be with Christians, if they don't really enjoy reading their Bible, these are the things that strengthen us to walk in this present world that's filled with all kinds of evil, all kinds of problems, all kinds of wickedness. We see it in the news every night, the wickedness that just is prevailing everywhere now. These are the things. How much time do we spend with our Savior before we leave our house? How much do we really want that? How much do we need that to sustain us? Is it any less to be able to come to church on time? Now, I'm pretty confident of this. And we use our sanctified imaginations here a little. But if it was on the bulletin that this next Wednesday night, Jesus was actually going to be here. Okay, he was going to be here and spend that hour with us in body. 
Let me see a, a sign of hands that don't care if they're going to be late that Wednesday. It's not even conceivable. There's just no, you know, you got to be short a few fries to want to do that. Okay? And if you're short a few fries, then maybe he gives grace. But I don't think any of us are short a few fries. Well, here's the news flash. He is going to be there next Wednesday. What has he done for you? What has he done for me besides give us eternal life, which we certainly didn't deserve? Gives us a hope and a future. Gives us the best made dwellings this side of anywhere. We don't deserve any of that. He's given us all of that. He's changed us so we're a more likable person to other people. He changes us so we're not the way we were before we became a Christian. Maybe it was so bad that when people saw us coming, they went the other way. But then we were redeemed, weren't we? Then he became our Savior. And life was different for us, and it's different for those around us. But there we will be able to sit and listen to the words of our Savior. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51, and 52, we hear the wonderful, encouraging words. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Hallelujah. We will have new bodies. No more pain, no more tired, no more suffering, no more anything. As his bride, we will also be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is going to throw a spectacular event for us. And it's going to last throughout the tribulation, we will be rejoicing. We will be enjoying that time. And for those who are faithful in his church and anxiously awaiting his return, there is yet another benefit. It's inconceivable to our minds, but yet he tells us this. In Luke 12, 37, Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at table and will come up and wait on them. I have a hard time with the concept because I am so unworthy to have my Lord and Savior serve me. But I fully accept his promise. If I am faithful and always looking for his return. We will also see when we're in heaven the perfection of his creation. You know, we get little tastes of it when we go certain places. 
We see pictures of his handiwork. Maybe a little flower bursting through the snow in the mountains. And it's just so beautiful. Or gardens. Or landscapes. Uh, places like Yosemite. The California coast. The Grand Canyon. And there's others. There's others in other countries. And there's just so many of them. Um, there's this series on discovery and I'll be real honest with you I wasn't real big on nature shows most of my life it was like boring but ever since we inherited an HD TV and they have this series of um, planet earth now, they're not looking from the same perspective we're looking, but they're showing the whole thing. They want you to take it easy on the ecology, okay? And that's, that's fine. But all I'm seeing is God's handiwork. And like a just, I just start shooting the channels, and I hit that channel, and I'm dead in my tracks because it's so miraculous, the things they show about what God has created. It's just phenomenal. It's just wonderful. And here's the awesome part. It is nothing compared to what he has waiting for us in heaven. Because everything in heaven, there'll be no defects. There'll be no mistakes. There'll be no man-made errors where they damage things or they change things. It will be just as he meant, made it. And then on top of that, he's going to give us a mansion. It's just unbelievable what's waiting for us in heaven. His perfection of creation. Nothing like it. And we won't understand that and we won't know that until we get there. And that's why God told Paul, I'm sending you back. You don't say a thing about this. You can use the word paradise, but that's it. We might see the original Ten Commandments when we're in heaven. The original writings of Scripture and other things. And here's one of the things that I'm just so looking forward to when I get in heaven. It just absolutely just sends me soaring. We will see those who went ahead of us. I know that one of my uncle's parents were very devout Christians. And I know Kitty, that was her name, will be waiting for me when I get to heaven to rejoice because I know even as a little boy, she was praying for me. We will see people that we don't even know about but knew us and prayed for us and for our salvation. And they'll come up to us and let us know, hi, I'm such and such. I prayed for you. Isn't that something? We'll see Peter. We'll see Paul. Well, I can't wait to take about a year of Paul's time and just sit down with him. <laughs> really, I want to do that. <clears throat> we'll see Zacchaeus. We'll see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. 
We'll be able to ask Lazarus, what was it like to come back to life? We'll see Bartimaeus, the blind man who got his sight, who can tell us how that was and what he did for Christ before he went home to be with him. We'll see Mary and Joseph, and we can hear what they have to tell us. We'll see David, Joseph, Joshua, Abraham, Ruth, Noah, Moses, Gideon, Deborah, Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, Mordecai, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and it goes on and on and on. We'll just bump up to people, and we'll be able to talk to them. We'll be able to share experiences with them forever. Not for a week, a year, and a, but for eternity through trillions and trillions and trillions of years. And it'll never get old. And it'll never get tiring because there's no attitudes and grumpy characters in heaven. If you have a hard time coming to church, if you're late all the time, if you just don't get it, why I got to go to church, and you, and you make it to heaven, which would be a miracle, as in the case of all of us, it'll be a miracle when we get to heaven, because we're not worthy, but you'll never have to worry, you'll never be late again. That's it. Okay? I guarantee you, this one time, you will be on time when you get to heaven. Because it will be completely out of your control. Now, all of us are late from some time to some time. But we're, we're talking to the chronically late folks. You just won't have, you'll be ready. Let's just put it that way. So in conclusion this morning, we asked the question, do you want to be in heaven? Do you want to enjoy heaven? Because there's only one other alternative. And all the great thinkers of time can't do anything about that. Plato and the rest that were so unbelievable in their intellectuality and in their understanding of things, if he wasn't their Lord and Savior, they won't be there. They will be what we heard in the scripture this morning. They will be in hell. Hopefully as we've examined heaven this morning, it may help us to just loosen our grip a little on this present world if it needs to be loosened. After hearing about heaven, hopefully we'll be encouraged, we'll be uplifted, we'll be renewed, we'll be revived. We will eagerly await his return. We will be able to pray better because we will be anticipating his return. Maybe we will understand the scriptures a little better 
we'll take a little more time and we'll increase our fellowship with him. And in closing, I just want to read a poem. It's simply titled, Weep Not for Me. Would you like to know where I am? I am at home in my father's mansion, which he prepared for me. I am where I would be, no longer on the stormy sea, but in the safe and quiet harbor. My working time is done and I am resting. My sowing time is done and I am reaping. My joy is as the joy of the harvest. Would you know how it is with me? I am made perfect in holiness. Grace is swallowed up in glory. The top stone of the building is brought forth. Would you know what I'm doing? I see God. I see him as he is, not as through a glass darkly, but face to face, the sight is transforming. It makes me like him. I am in the sweet enjoyment of my blessed Redeemer. I am here singing hallelujahs incessantly to him who sits upon the throne. And rest not day or night from praising him. Would you know what company I keep? Blessed company. Better than the best on earth. Here are holy angels and the spirits of just men made perfect. I am set down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. With the blessed Paul, Peter, James, and John, and all the saints. And here I meet with many of my old acquaintances with whom I worked with and with whom I pray.